Section 20 of Celebrated Travels and Travellers, Volume 3. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Avai in December 2014. Celebrated Travels and Travellers, Volume 3 the great explorers and travellers of the nineteenth century by jules verne second part chapter one voyages round the world and polar expeditions one the russian fur trade kruzenstern appointed to the command of an expedition nuka hiva nangasaki reconnaissance of the coast of japan Yezo, the Ainos, Sakhalin, return to Europe, Otto von Kotzebue, stay at Easter Island, Penryn, the Radak Archipelago, return to Russia, changes at Otaheite and the Sandwich Islands, Beachy's voyage, Easter Island. Pitcairn and the Mutineers of the Bounty, the Paumoto Islands, Otaheite and the Sandwich Islands, the Bonin Islands, Lütke, the Quebradas of Valparaiso, Holy Week in Chile, New Archangel, the Caloches, Unalashka, the Carolyn Archipelago, the canoes of the Caroline Islanders, Guam, a desert island, beauty and happy situation of the Bonin Islands, the Chukchis, their manners and their conjurers, return to Russia. At the beginning of the 19th century, the Russians for the first time took part in voyages round the world. Until that time, their explorations had been almost entirely confined to Asia, and their only mariners of note were Bering, Chirikov, Spangberg, Laxmann, Krenitzin, and Sarischew. The last named took an important part in the voyage of the Englishman Billings, a voyage, by the way, which was far from achieving all that might have been fairly expected from the ten years it occupied and the vast sums it cost. Adam John von Kruzenstern was the first Russian to whom is due the honor of having made a voyage round the world under government auspices and with a scientific purpose. Born in 1770, Kruzenstern entered the English Navy in 1793. After six years' training in the Stern School, which then numbered amongst its leaders the most skillful sailors of the world, he returned to his native land with a profound knowledge of his profession, and with his ideas of the part Russia might play in Eastern Asia very considerably widened. During a stay of two years at Canton, in 1798 and 1799, Kruzenstern had been witness of the extraordinary results achieved by some English fur traders who brought their merchandise from the northwest coasts of Russian America. This trade had not come into existence until after Cook's third voyage, and the English had already realized immense sums at the cost of the Russians, who had hitherto sent their furs to the Chinese markets overland. 
in seventeen eighty five however a russian named chelikov founded a fur-trading colony on kodiak island at about an equal distance from kamchatka and the aleutian islands which rapidly became a flourishing community the russian government now recognized the resources of districts it had hitherto considered barren and reinforcements provisions and stores were sent to kamchatka via siberia Kruzenstern quickly realized how inadequate to the new state of things was help such as this, the ignorance of the pilots and the errors in the maps leading to the loss of several vessels every year, not to speak of the injury to trade involved in a two years' voyage for the transport of furs, first to Okhotsk and thence to Kiatka. As the best plans are always the simplest, they are sure to be the last to be thought of, and Kruzenstern was the first to point out the imperative necessity of going direct by sea from the Aleutian Islands to Canton, the most frequented market. On his return to Russia, Kruzenstern tried to win over to his views Count Kushelev, the Minister of Marine, but the answer he received destroyed all hope. Not until the accession of Alexander I, when Admiral Mordinov became head of the naval department, did he receive any encouragement. Acting on Count Romanov's advice, the Russian emperor soon commissioned Kruzenstern to carry out the plan he had himself proposed, and on the 7th August 1802 he was appointed to the command of two vessels for the exploration of the northwest coast of America. Although the leader of the expedition was named, the officers and seamen were still to be selected, and the vessels to be manned were not to be had in either the Russian Empire or at Hamburg. In London alone were Lysianskoy, afterwards second in command to Kruzenstern, and the builder Kazumov able to obtain two vessels at all suitable to the service in which they were to be employed. These two vessels received the names of the Nadiejeda, and the Neva. In the meantime, the Russian government decided to avail itself of this opportunity to send Monsieur de Bezanov to Japan as ambassador with a numerous suit and magnificent presents for the sovereign of the country. On the 4th August 1803, the two vessels, completely equipped and carrying 134 persons, left the roadstead of Kronstadt. Flying visits were paid to Copenhagen and Falmouth, with a view to replacing some of the salt provisions bought at Hamburg, and to cork the Nadiejeda, the seams of which had started in a violent storm encountered in the North Sea. After a short stay at the Canary Islands, Kruzenstern hunted in vain, as La Perouse had done before him, for the island of Ascension, as to the existence of which opinion had been divided for some three hundred years. He then rounded Cape Frio, the position of which he was unable exactly to determine, although he was most anxious to do so, the accounts of earlier travellers and the maps hitherto laid down varying from 23 degrees 6 minutes to 22 degrees 34 minutes. A reconnaissance of the coast of Brazil was succeeded by a sail through the passage between the islands of Gal and Alvaredo, unjustly characterized as dangerous by La Perouse, and on the 21st December 1803, St. Catherine was reached. 
the necessity for replacing the main and mizzen masts of the neva detained kotzenstern for five weeks on this island where he was most cordially received by the portuguese authorities on the fourth february the two vessels were able to resume their voyage prepared to face all the dangers of the south sea and to double cape horn that bugbear of all navigators as far as staten island the weather was uniformly fine but beyond it the explorers had to contend with extremely violent gales storms of hail and snow dense fogs huge waves and a swell in which the vessels laboured heavily on the twenty fourth of march the ships lost sight of each other in a dense fog a little above the western entrance to the straits of magellan they did not meet again until both reached nukaiva Kruzenstern, having given up all idea of touching at easter island now made for the marquesas or mendoza archipelago and determined the position of fatongu and utugu islands called washington by the american captain ingraham who discovered them in seventeen ninety one a few weeks before captain marchand who named them revolution islands Kruzenstern also saw hiva hoa the dominica of mendania and at nuka hiva met an englishman named roberts and a frenchman named cabri whose knowledge of the language was of great service to him the incidents of the stay in the marquesas archipelago are of little interest they were much the same as those related in cook's voyages the total but at the same time utterly unconscious immodesty of the women the extensive agricultural knowledge of the natives and their greed of iron instruments are commented upon in both narratives nothing is noted in the later which is not to be found in the earlier narrative if we accept some remarks on the existence of numerous societies of which the king or his relations priests or celebrated warriors are the chiefs and the aim of which is the providing of the people with food in times of scarcity in our opinion these societies resemble the clans of scotland or the indian tribes of america Kruzenstern, however does not agree with us as the following quotation will show the members of these clubs are distinguished by different tattooed marks upon their bodies those of the king's club consisting of twenty-six members have a square one on their breasts about six inches long and four wide and to this company roberts belonged the companions of the frenchman joseph cabri were marked with a tattooed eye etc roberts assured me that he never would have entered this association had he not been driven to it by extreme hunger there was an apparent want of consistency in this dislike as the members of these companies are not only relieved from all care as to their subsistence but even by his own account the admittance into them is a distinction that many seek to obtain i am therefore inclined to believe that it must be attended with the loss of some part of liberty a reconnaissance of the neighbourhood of anna maria led to the discovery of port chichagov which though the entrance is difficult is so shut in by land that its waters are unruffled by the most violent storm at the time of kotzenstern's visit to nuka hiva cannibalism was still largely practised but the traveller had no tangible proof of the prevalence of the custom 
in fact kotzenstern was very affably received by the king of the cannibals who appeared to exercise but little authority over his people a race addicted to the most revolting vices and our hero owns that but for the intelligent and disinterested testimony of the two europeans mentioned above he should have carried away a very favourable opinion of the natives in their intercourse with us he says they always showed the best possible disposition and in bartering an extraordinary degree of honesty always delivering their coconuts before they received the piece of iron that was to be paid for them at all times they appeared ready to assist in cutting wood and filling water and the help they afforded us in the performance of these laborious tasks was by no means trifling theft the crime so common to all the islanders of this ocean we very seldom met with among them they always appeared cheerful and happy and the greatest good humour was depicted in their countenances the two europeans whom we found here and who had both resided with them several years agreed in their assertions that the natives of nukahiva were a cruel intractable people and without even the exceptions of the female sex very much addicted to cannibalism that the appearance of content and good humour with which they had so much deceived us was not their true character and that nothing but the fear of punishment and the hopes of reward deterred them from giving a loose to their savage passions these europeans described as eye-witnesses the barbarous scenes that are acted particularly in times of war the desperate rage with which they fall upon their victims immediately tear off their head and sip their blood out of the skull with the most disgusting readiness completing in this manner their horrible repast for a long time i would not give credit to these accounts considering them as exaggerated but they rest upon the authority of two different persons who had not only been witnesses for several years to these atrocities but had also borne a share in them of two persons who lived in a state of mortal enmity and took particular pains by their mutual recriminations to obtain with us credit for themselves but yet on this point never contradicted each other the very fact of robert's doing his enemy the justice to allow that he never devoured his prey but always exchanged it for hogs gives the circumstance a great degree of probability and these reports concur with several appearances we remarked during our stay here skulls being brought to us every day for sale their weapons are invariably adorned with human hair and human bones are used as ornaments in almost all their household furniture they also often gave us to understand by pantomimic gestures that human flesh was regarded by them as a delicacy there are grounds for looking upon this account as exaggerated the truth probably lies between the dogmatic assertions of cook and forster and those of the two europeans of kotzenstern's time one of whom at least was not much to be relied upon as he was a deserter and we must remember that we ourselves did not attain to the high state of civilization we now enjoy without climbing up from the bottom of the ladder in the stone age our manners were probably not superior to those of the natives of oceania we must not therefore blame these representatives of humanity for not having risen higher they have never been a nation 
scattered as their homes are on the wide ocean and divided as they are into small tribes without agricultural or mineral resources without connections and with a climate which makes them strangers to want they could but remain stationary or cultivate none but the most rudimentary arts and industries yet in spite of all this how often have their instruments their canoes and their nets excited the admiration of travellers on the eighteenth may eighteen o four the nadieda and the neva left nukahiva for the sandwich islands where kruzenstern had decided to stop and lay in a store of fresh provisions which he had been unable to do at his last anchorage where seven pigs were all he could get the plan fell through however the natives of owaihi or hawaii brought but a very few provisions to the vessels lying off their southwest coast and even these they would only exchange for cloth which kruzenstern could not give them he therefore set sail for kamchatka and japan leaving the neva of the islands of karakaua where captain lisianskoy relied upon being able to revictual on the eleventh july the nadieda arrived off petropaulovsky the capital of kamchatka where the crew obtained the rest and fresh provisions they had so well earned on the thirtieth august the russians put to sea again overtaken by thick fogs and violent storms kruzenstern now hunted in vain for some islands marked on a map found on a spanish galleon captured by anson and the existence of which had been alternately accepted and rejected by different cartographers though they appear in la billardiere's map of his voyage the navigator now passed between the large island of kyushu and tanegashima by way of van diemen strait till then very inaccurately defined rectified the position of the lukyu archipelago which the english had placed north of the strait and the french too far south and sailed down surveyed and named the coast of the province of satsuma this part of satsuma says kruzenstern is particularly beautiful and as we sailed along at a very trifling distance from the land we had a distinct and perfect view of the various picturesque situations that rapidly succeed each other the whole country consists of high pointed hills at one time appearing in the form of pyramids at others of a globular or conical form and seeming as it were under the protection of some neighboring mountain such as peak homer or another lying north by west of it and even a third farther inland liberal as nature has been in the adornment of these parts the industry of the japanese seems not a little to have contributed to their beauty for nothing indeed can equal the extraordinary degree of cultivation everywhere apparent that all the valleys upon these coasts should be most carefully cultivated would not so much have surprised us as in the countries of europe where agriculture is not despised it is seldom that any piece of land is left neglected but we here saw not only the mountains even to their summits but the very tops of the rocks which skirted the edge of the coast adorned with the most beautiful fields and plantations forming a striking as well as singular contrast by the opposition of their dark grey and blue colour to that of the most lively verdure another object that excited our astonishment was an alley of high trees stretching over hill and dale along the coast 
as far as the eye could reach with arbors at certain distances probably for the weary traveller for whom these alleys must have been constructed to rest himself in an attention which cannot well be exceeded these alleys are not uncommon in japan for we saw a similar one in the vicinity of nangasaki and another in the island of meaksima the nadieda had hardly anchored in the entrance to nagasaki harbour before kruzenstern saw several daimyos climb on board who had come to forbid him to advance further now although the russians were aware of the policy of isolation practised by the japanese government they had hoped that their reputation would have been less forbidding as they had on board an ambassador from the powerful neighbouring state of russia they had relied on enjoying comparative liberty of which they would have availed themselves to collect information on a country hitherto so little known and about which the only people admitted to it had taken a vow of silence they were however disappointed in their expectations instead of enjoying the same latitude as the dutch they were throughout their stay harassed by a perpetual surveillance as unceasing as it was annoying in a word they were little better than prisoners although the ambassador did obtain permission to land with his escort under arms a favour never before accorded to any one the sailors were not allowed to get out of their boat or when they did land the restricted place where they were permitted to walk was surrounded by a lofty palisading and guarded by two companies of soldiers it was forbidden to ride to europe by way of batavia it was forbidden to talk to the dutch captains the ambassador was forbidden to leave his house the word forbidden may be said to sum up the anything but cordial reception given to their visitors by the japanese kruzenstern turned his long stay here to account by completely overhauling and repairing his vessel he had nearly finished this operation when the approach was announced of an envoy from the emperor of dignity so exalted that in the words of the interpreter he dared to look at the feet of his imperial majesty this personage began by refusing the tsar's presents under pretence that if they were accepted the emperor would have to send back others with an embassy which would be contrary to the customs of the country and he then went on to speak of the law against the entry of any vessels into the ports of japan and absolutely forbade the russians to buy anything adding however at the same time that the materials already supplied for the refitting and revictualling the vessel would be paid for out of the treasury of the emperor of japan he further inquired whether the repairs of the nadieda would soon be finished Kruzenstern understood what was meant as soon as the visitor began to speak and hurried on the preparations for his own departure truly he had not much reason to congratulate himself on having waited from october to april for such an answer as this so little were the chief results hoped for by his government achieved that no russian vessel could ever again enter a japanese port a short-sighted jealous policy resulting in the putting back for half a century the progress of japan on the seventeenth april the nadieda weighed anchor and began a hydrographic survey which had the best results 
la perouse had been the only navigator to traverse before kruzenstern the seas between japan and the continent the russian explorer was therefore anxious to connect his work with that of his predecessor and to fill up the gaps the latter had been compelled for want of time to leave in his charts of these parts to explore the northwest and southwest coasts of japan says kruzenstern to ascertain the situation of the straits of sangar the width of which in the best charts aerosmith's south sea pilot for instance and the atlas subjoined to la perouse's voyage is laid down as more than a hundred miles while the japanese merely estimated it to be a dutch mile to examine the west coast of yezo to find out the island of karafuto which in some new charts compiled after a japanese one is placed between yezo and sakhalin and the existence of which appeared to me very probable to explore this new strait and take an accurate plan of the island of sakhalin from cape krilon in the northwest coast from whence if a good harbour were to be found there i could send out my long boat to examine the supposed passage which divides tartary from sakhalin and finally to attempt a return through a new passage between the kurils north of the canal de la boussole all this came into my plan and i have had the good fortune to execute part of it Kruzenstern was destined almost entirely to carry out this detailed plan only the survey of the west coast of japan and of the strait of sangar with that of the channel closing the farakai strait could not be accomplished by the russian navigator who had sorely against his will to leave the completion of this important task to his successors Kruzenstern now entered the Korea Channel and determined the longitude of Tsushima, obtaining a difference of thirty-six minutes from the position assigned to that island by La Perouse. This difference was subsequently confirmed by Dagelet, who can be fully relied upon. The Russian explorer noticed, as La Perouse had done before him, that the deviation of the magnetic needle is but little noticeable in these latitudes the position of sangar strait between yezo and nippon being very uncertain kruzenstern resolved to determine it the mouth situated between cape sangar northern latitude forty one degrees sixteen minutes thirty seconds and western longitude two hundred nineteen degrees forty six minutes and cape nadiyeda northern latitude forty one degrees twenty five minutes ten seconds western longitude two hundred nineteen degrees fifty minutes thirteen seconds is only nine miles wide whereas la perouse who had relied not upon personal observation but upon the map of the dutchman fries speaks of it as ten miles across kruzenstern's was therefore an important rectification kruzenstern did not actually enter this strait he was anxious to verify the existence of a certain island Carafonto, Choka, or Chicha by name, set down as between Yezo and Sakhalin in a map which appeared at St. Petersburg in 1802, and was based on one brought to Russia by the Japanese Kodai. He then surveyed a small portion of the coast of Yezo, naming the chief irregularities, and cast anchor near the southernmost promontory of the island, at the entrance to the Straits of La Perouse here he learned from the japanese that sakhalin and karafonto were one and the same island 
End of section 20.